0: Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com.
1: Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camel wear at a price you can afford. Huntworthgear.com. And by Ducks Unlimited, a proud sponsor of our show and of duck hunters everywhere. Ducks.org. We're also brought to you by the Castle Rock-Petenwell Lakes Association, featuring 60 square miles of fun on the water. CastleRock-Petenwell.com And by Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center, WoodsideRanch.com I'm Dan Small. Today, we'll check in with Charter Captain Dumper Dan Welch for a Lake Michigan fishing report. We'll get an idea of what this year's rough grouse season might be like from John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse Society and learn how small donations can make a big difference for conservation from David Clutter of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio. So stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, presented by Pappas Trading Post, Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission Archery retailer. They're located just west of Arena, at the intersection of Highway 14 and County Highway H. You can also find them on the web at pappastradingpost.com. This is a feature you hear every week at this time on Fox Sports 1070 WTSO, and anytime at all on our podcast. You can get that on LakeLink Link, iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio, outdoor news radio or wherever you get your podcasts and joining us once again from the trading post is JC Chamberlain well JC welcome back good to talk to you again
2: yes good to be back
1: less than a month away now what should we be doing
2: Uh, this is that time of year where it's getting to be crunch time so you know when it comes to the bows and stuff definitely practicing. but this time of year is when i like to go through and do my final setup if i can tree stand wise or even go through and do some mock scrapes or touch up on my last minute food plot stuff
1: Uh uh-huh and when you do a mock scrape do you usually have a camera watching that
2: Usually I do. It depends on the location. This time of year, if you've got a spot like in a field that the deer typically frequent coming in and out of a corner or something like that, I usually like to try to put one there and get it started now. It's not that they're going to be like hard at it, but if it's a new scent, it kind of starts to get them going on it and they'll keep repeating and coming back to that. So it's kind of nice for that, just a little extra attractant to that stand location.
1: Yeah, okay.
2: seems to work pretty well.
1: And you mentioned prepping stands, so besides checking your straps and brushing out a shooting lane, if you've got to clear that a little bit because there was growth, anything else?
2: that would be the main thing as far as the tree stands go. The other thing, because food sources shift, if you don't have stands up in certain spots where, you know, maybe this year there's an apple tree that's got a bunch of apples on it, that sort of thing, it would be the time of year that I'll go in and get that site prepped and ready to go or move a stand into that location just to take advantage of that food for the year.
1: Yeah, okay. Do you ever do any licking branch, fake licking branch, uh, with your scrapes or the rope? That's a relatively new trick.
2: I have done just about everything with them, from using rope, just using a regular branch that's there. I haven't ever used the synthetic branch. I never really saw the need to do that, Mm -hmm. but have used uh, like fresh-cut grapevine. Works really well as well. Um, just something that's kind of going to dangle in the way and hold some scent for you. Every single scrape spot, I'll have something of that sort there, something for them to come play with and fiddle around on, and it definitely
3: seems to make a big difference with them.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, I think you mentioned food plots. Is it too late to start a, a late-season food plot if we haven't done that yet?
2: Uh, absolutely not. So this is the time of year probably at the very end of doing the brassica-type plot. It's still time, but it's going to be right at the end of that. This is when I usually would switch to doing radish, uh, wheat, rye, the cereal grain, uh, just somewhere up through about that first probably five days of September you can plant those cereal grains. But definitely, you know, this last week of August, first week of September, still plenty of time to get a plot and just have to be careful what you're planting
1: Okay, and of course the season opens on the 16th this year, which is pretty doggone early, especially when we're looking at the weather we've had this week. (laughs) I think water is going to be a concern or an interest for deer, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and we're lucky enough to get some water here at least since we talked last time, but since then it's been super dry and super hot. You know, I can't help but think that, you know, water holes are going to be a big hit, especially come that time of opener, unless we get a bunch of rain by then. But definitely the deer started switching back onto those pretty hard now.
4: Okay.
1: And, of course, practice.
2: Yeah, it's still that time of the year. Now I actually start to ramp up a little bit more, you know, where I was maybe shooting one or two days a week. Now I'll try to shoot every day. Uh, It might only be, you know, 12 arrows or... 30 something like that but definitely try to get a few more reps in just to keep everything fresh and if you have been practicing keeps that muscle memory there keeps everything fresh i mean if you haven't well it's still got a little bit of time to build that up and and make it just automatic when you come to full draw
1: now do you shoot at 3d targets or paper or blocks or all of the above
2: all of the above usually this time of year if i can i like to switch to either a paper photo something like a nice target actually it's a actually that one is plastic but they have a really nice picture photo on it
5: mm-hmm.
2: deer whatever you want to do there or if i can i will try to shoot 3d as well but we don't always have those <laughs> super readily available but definitely help shooting at that form that you're going to hunt in the fall
1: and how about shooting from an elevated position like a step ladder or a deck shooting down if you're going to be hunting out of a tree stand how important is that
2: So it's important to try it, to get used to it. For the most part now, you know, a lot of the bows are fast enough that, you know, at that 15 to 20 yards, you're not gonna hit drastically different with that pin, but I usually like to aim off the top of my pin whenever I'm shooting from an elevated position rather than actually covering the spot that I wanna hit. You know, usually that'll give you about an inch and a half, maybe two inches different impact. So it typically works out really well for me that way, but you know, if you're hunting in that 10 or 12 foot high range, you know, on level ground most of the time, it's not really going to be that big an issue.
1: With faster bows, do deer still manage to jump the string? The best buck I never shot was way back years ago with a recurve, and I shot right over him because he ducked and then jumped just as I let go because he heard the string
2: still definitely a thing these days you know the bows are considerably quicker most cases they're considerably quieter than what we used to shoot even 10 years ago Mm -hmm. but no matter what i mean even a 500 foot crossbow you know at 30 yards they can duck a long ways (laughs) they might not completely get out of the way of it but you're definitely not going to hit them anywhere near where you think you should if they if they're able to jump that string For sure they're super super
1: quick yeah they are and what they're doing is they're actually recoiling kind of loading the spring to take off aren't they
2: yeah and it's with it if you really watch them go you'll see typically that their hind end moves a little bit but all that movement is in that front end so they're you know dropping down head front shoulders to just really spring up and go Um, you know in a lot of cases it could be the difference of you know hitting it maybe a little bit high and completely shooting over the top of the deer.
1: So. Yeah, yeah, and we've all done that once or twice probably.
2: <coughs> <laughs> we've all been there for yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, well, if a bow still needs work, is there still time?
2: There's still time to get it done. No matter what, you know, if you want to hunt with it sooner than later, definitely you want to get them in, get them um, going as quick as we can just in case we need parts. Um, but as far as service goes and stuff, we're still, you know, two weeks or, or under. Uh, most cases under at this point.
1: So, righty. Well, we will talk to you again the week before the opener and send folks your way, as always. So thanks a lot, and we will talk soon.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us, and uh, look forward to the
1: next one. Alrighty, righty. J.C. Chamberlain from the Trading Post, Pappas Trading Post, on Highway 14 west of Arena, right where County Highway H goes south, and on the web at pappastradingpost.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews and Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full service pro shop, a 40 yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit pappastradingpost.com. Castle Rock and Petonwell
6: are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Neceda National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock petenwellcom or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petonwell Lakes Association.
1: If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupey and Abraham, named best personal injury law firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupey and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm voted best and rated best, Hupey and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupey.com and all 11 offices of Huppie & Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. The firm of Huppie & Abraham has paid tens of thousands of dollars in rewards to help solve crimes in the Milwaukee area. Michael Hupie is the president of Milwaukee Crime Stoppers, and he's offering a $25,000 reward for the next anonymous tip that solves a homicide case. So if you've got a tip on an unsolved homicide case, visit milwaukeecrimestoppers.com well joining us again from wisconsin rapids this week but about to go back on the road jeff kelm well jeff last weekend you were in minnesota for some pretty exciting stuff for robert in as far as bmx racing goes right yeah we were
6: at the land lakes nationals it's a it's a, a major um uh, bmx event in uh it was happened to have be in st michael minnesota and um we were. It was exciting. It was. It was the first time we've been to a nationals. Um, there were 652 riders. Um, I think it was 39 states uh, were represented there, um, uh, and Canada. And uh, it, it was. It was cool to be a part of. It was a neat learning experience. We ended up pitting next to uh, a basically a a gentleman who's part of BMX history and his daughter is number seven in the world for her class. (laughs) Um, she's number one in her class in the, in our nation and number two in cruiser class, which is a little bit larger wheeled bike. It's anything over 20 inches, they consider cruiser. She's number two in the nation in her cruiser. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, it, it was really neat to be able to learn from them and, uh, just experience it and, um, went home and, and made a, <laughs> you know, did a bunch of changes to Robert's bike based on, uh, based on, you know, what was <clears throat> being told to us. And it was, uh, we'll see how it goes for the rest of the year for him then
1: okay and then you had a clinic up in rhinelander right this week
6: yeah so nick long who is uh an olympian a pro bmx rider uh he does a number of clinics throughout the country he came to rhinelander and uh we uh we had robert involved in that and um he had a chance to learn they worked him really really hard um i think he probably picked up a few things that uh, he can remember uh out on the track as well it, it was neat to be a part of
1: well he's going to be a force to reckon with yeah, you, you know, you, you <laughs> hope so. He wants to be. He yeah. wants to be. Yeah, well, that's, that's a good part of it. The, uh, the drive and the ambition to do it. Well, I, and you, you've got a tournament then, uh, this weekend. You're going to be busy. Yeah. Masters Walleye Circuit in Pickstown, South Dakota. Back out to Pickstown. All right. Well, I'm heading up to Lake Tomahawk this weekend for the World Muskie Hunt. Three days of musky fishing in the heart of the north, where I hope it's cooler, although I see a cold front's coming through, so it may be even cooler than I anticipate, but boy, this heat wave this week was no fun to live with. Well, we've got room yet for two more guests on my trip to Lake of the Woods. It's coming up real soon. The dates are 11 through 15 September. We're going to Black Island, and we fish for three days. We have great meals, guided fishing, everything's included. If you're interested, don't delay. Go to blackisland.com and look for Trips, and you'll find my name, and you can learn all about it there, and call the folks if you are interested in those two spots. And this is your last chance. One more week we're going to give away uh, tickets for Charlie Barron's matinee performance in Westby coming up on Labor Day weekend. That's September 2nd, Saturday at 3 o'clock. We'll tell you uh, more about it, but you can enter the drawing at 414-297-7554 or send me an email, radio at gmail.com. Well, coming up, John Steigerwald of the Rough Grouse Society previews this year's grouse hunting season. David Clutter, Executive Director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin, tells us how a small donation can pay big dividends for conservation. And Charter Captain Dumper Dan Welch returns to report on Lake Michigan fishing action off Sheboygan and tell us where those migrating kings are right now. All that and more straight ahead on Outdoors on...
4: at 888-JOIN-RGS. Enjoy the ultimate shooting
1: experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We
6: at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids. Big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340. Or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs.
1: Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews & Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com.
0: Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. It's time for another Lake Michigan Fishing Report, sponsored by Dumper Dan's Sport Fishing Charters, Condos, and Riverfront Store, located on South Pier Drive in Sheboygan and on the web at dumperdan.com. And you'll find this report, as we tell you every time we do one, along with every report that we record this season posted on his Facebook page, which is Dumper Dan's Sportfishing Charters. It's also brought to you this week by Rupp's Downtown Supper Club, 925 North 8th Street in Sheboygan, and on Facebook at Rupps Downtown. Well, joining us again from Sheboygan is Charter Captain Dumper Dan Welch. Well, Dan, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again.
7: You bet. Glad to be back again, Dan. Thank you.
1: Well, we've been talking to you now three weeks in a row because this is the time of year when the action changes. The big kings start to move in and you use different tactics and the bite near shore really picks up what's going on now.
7: Yeah, you hit it right on the head, Dan. It's the interesting time of year where the fish are... All over the place. They really are. Um, They're coming in from out deep and they're suspending in different water depths off the Port of Sheboygan here. We got a lot of structure. We have the river mouth, you know, river water flowing out into the lake of the Sheboygan Harbor that helps draw fish in. You can catch them in a lot of different areas right now and you got to kind of watch what's going on because the fish are moving around and some days they'll be in one spot. Next day they'll be in another spot, but the water is cooled down and that's a good thing. And we had some of my charter boats the last few days fish the harbor area right out in front of the Sheboygan Harbor where that stand. And river water is and we caught a few nice kings but they're not in there thick yet and it's still early for the spawning salmon that's usually more a september thing but we did catch some in there dan and we trolled out or powered out about a mile and a half two miles and still our go-to spot in like 80 feet of water out to about 140 north of town a lot of bait fish there a lot of kings some variety of fish you'll have some lake trout but mostly kings in that 80 to 140 north of town and fish will migrate closer to shore. Water's perfect temp right now to bring them in. And there's a lot of bait around as well.
1: Other than the spawning urge, which is bringing all the mature salmon in, what else would draw them closer to shore either sooner or later or this time of year in general?
8: Well, this time of year in
7: general, they're made to come back to their tributaries that they were planted in. And that's why, like we've talked in the past where we do the net pen project and we actually hold fish here in the Sheboygan River for a few weeks and feed them, let them go into the lake so they really get accustomed to the harbor area that they were planted in. And not just Sheboygan, but a lot of ports throughout Wisconsin do this. And then also what the DNR just stocks right out of the hatchery, out of the DNR trucks in each port, then fish come back as well that's what they do. And they come back to their port, they go up the rivers, they spawn and do their thing. And that's the main reason. But another one is water temperature. If it's too warm, they'll come in later. If it's cooler, they'll come in earlier. They'll stage longer if the water temp's just right in the mid 50 degree range. And if there's bait fish in front of the harbors, they'll stay there as well for a longer period of time. So sometimes they'll be there for a few days to a week. Sometimes they'll be there for a month. It just depends on the year. But They all return back to their ports when they're a four-year-old, mature Chinook salmon to do their spawning.
0: A
1: lot of variables there, and you're on top of it because you've got six boats that are out just about every day. Do you have openings now for what's left of August, which is only about a week, and coming into September?
7: We do, and in fact, the last couple days, Dan, I've had just a flurry of calls for this exact fishing, and, and I booked a lot of trips the last 48 hours for early to mid-September, even late August, but I do have openings, so I can get you in, but the calls are coming in pretty steady to do this, so I would recommend giving me a call, 920-377-1147, you'll talk to me, Dumper Dan Direct, I'll get you exactly what you want to do in dates and times, lodging or no lodging, fishing morning, afternoon, what have you but get on out here and do it because it's kind of a special time of year. It really is because a lot of my veteran captains that have been here a while really get excited about this time of year because we like fishing in close for these mature salmon, and that's what people come here to do in the fall season. And they're still good eating. You can grill them, you can smoke them, but you can also mount them if you get a big one that's, you know, 25, 30 pounds or better too.
1: Is this an accessible fishery for somebody who's got a good-sized boat and has never done it?
7: A very good question and and this time of year a lot of them folks do target this and it's easy access you know you don't really have to run hardly anywhere to get to them it's not like you're powering halfway across the lake or something because they're right out in front and they're close to shore and any size boat really i mean you can we've seen them 14 foot on up you know and and yeah if you can put a couple dipsy diver rod setups on there a couple board planer rod setups if you're able to put a couple downriggers on your boat you're good to go and you can definitely fish these fish and you know you're fishing 20 to 40 50 feet of water so not too hard to get down to them depths with just about any kind of equipment of any kind of boat at this time of year and pier anglers too i mean our piers you know they're in great shape we just the south pier just opened up this year they rebuilt the south break wall the north pier at Sheboygan's in great shape you can walk out on both piers and fish both sides and catch salmon if you don't have a boat as well
1: and I imagine you see an occasional kayak angler, too.
7: We do. Not so much in this port as much. Port Washington, there's a lot of them, I heard, in Milwaukee. But there are a few of them around. Most of them actually kind of troll. Uh-huh. It's awful hard to anchor in traffic. You ought to kind of be careful with that because you can't block an inevitable but waterway yeah. by anchoring like that. But most of them troll. They paddle away and they catch them. And it uh, looks like a lot of fun, too, you know, on a kayak. Always keep an eye on the sky and on the weather. You don't want to get in trouble out there. But if you're close to shore, you should be able to wiggle your way back into safety if you get caught in something, waves or wind or... Or a lightning storm or something. You see our boats around, they're in that area for a reason. I mean, we're definitely catching them if we're fishing close to shore. If not, we'll be offshore, but this time of year it's, it's going to take off quick and hopefully it's good for a while and they head into the rivers and you can catch them in the rivers on the lake and the harbor and you'll see them jumping, which is really unique. You'll see them splashing and jumping all over so you know the fish are there.
1: Yeah, it's a great time to fish for salmon. Well, our second sponsor this week is Rupp's Downtown Supper Club. I know they've got a nice history mural of Sheboygan, and they're known for their Saturday prime rib specials. But what else can you tell us about Rupp's?
5: They're one of the go-to
7: best steakhouses around in the Sheboygan area, and that says a lot because we have some excellent restaurants In Sheboygan, the city of Sheboygan, the county of Sheboygan, there's a lot of good ones. But Rupps has been here probably the longest. Richard did pass away a few years ago, but his wife does run it. She does a great job. The staff they have there have been there for a long time. Their kitchen's all glass-windowed, so you can see them cook your steaks or salmon or whatever you have. Chicken, pork chops, they have everything on the menu, and you can see them cook that. They have a great bar there, and they have a great salad bar. It's really nice, a lot of things on that. So, good supper club, downtown Sheboygan, 8th Street, great location, not too far from the river, probably four or five blocks. Definitely check out Rupp's on 8th Street because uh, they're one of the best fine dining around.
1: All right, well, Dan, we're going to let you go, but we'll catch up with you again as the kings get closer to shore. It's kind of like watching a parade, you know. <laughs> it gets closer and closer, and all of a sudden, boom, there they are right in the harbor. So thanks so much, and hope the fishing continues to be excellent, and we'll talk to you
4: soon. It's
7: been a great season. We're going to keep at it for quite some time yet, and we'll be going into October, so get on out here and give it a shot, and if you got your own boat or your own fishing rod, get out on the pier of the lake and enjoy the fall season.
1: All right. Dumper Dan Welch with the Lake Michigan Fishing Report from Sheboygan. His Facebook page where you can hear this report again and see some photos is Dumper Dan Sport Fishing Charters. You can also find him on the web at dumperdan.com, and this week also brought to you by Rupp's Downtown Supper Club. 925 North 8th Street in Sheboygan, and on Facebook at Rupps Downtown. I'm Dan Small. More Outdoors Radio, right
0: after this. Listen to more Outdoors Radio, online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. With hunting seasons just around the corner, many of us will be purchasing new hunting licenses and selecting our antlerless deer tags, also buying additional bonus tags for antlerless deer and fall turkey in many cases. And when you do any of these transactions, either online or in person, there's also the option of making a donation to the Cherish Wisconsin Fund. And joining us now to tell us what this fund is all about and how it works is David Clutter. He's the Executive Director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin. He's been on the show before, and their website is an easy one to remember, wisconservation.org. David, welcome back, and thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me, Dan. I appreciate it. You bet. Now, for people who don't know or have never heard of it or have forgotten, what is the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund? The
5: Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund is a permanent endowment and it was actually created as an act of the Wisconsin state legislatures back around 2011, 2012. The Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin uh, under Charlie Luthan at that time had worked with the DNR to create an idea that they brought to the state legislature and got overwhelming bipartisan support for this. And essentially it was creating a permanent endowed fund to provide, you know, a permanent source of funding to care for, manage, Wisconsin's public lands. The church Outdoor Fund, you know, supports primarily habitat management, ecological restoration projects, and it's on land that's owned by the state. So these dollars goes to the endowment that is held by the foundation, and then those distributions are made to go on state land for land management purposes, and we can get into a little bit more of the detail, I suppose, as we talk further.
1: Sure. Now, some people might ask, well, wait a minute, don't DNR funds already support management of state-owned land?
5: Well, they certainly do. You know, Pittman-Robertson dollars, and, you know, there are different sources of revenue for managed land. But the Cherish Fund is yet another opportunity to provide long-term financial support. A lot of the funding that comes to the state is federal funding. You know, federal funding, state funding comes and goes. And the hope is that, you know, this will be a growing pot of money that will support land management and restoration efforts long-term here in the state of Wisconsin.
1: I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation that people have the option of donating when they buy a license. How does that work?
5: It's quite simple. I bought my fishing license here earlier this spring. You go into DNR's Go Wild system. When you're going through, you are prompted at the end that if you'd like to make a voluntary donation, you, know, you can click on the Cherish box and you can make a donation of whatever you see fit. You know, many of our donations are small, $2, $4. So anyone through that process can donate, you know, uh, any amount of money that they choose to go into this permanent fund. And I believe I mentioned that the act was established in 2012. The fund then was established formally in 2013. And today it's grown to about $2.1 It's really growing nicely due in in great part to voluntary contributions from hunters and fishers.
1: And why was it created initially?
5: I think it was created because, especially when we're looking at state natural areas, wildlife areas tend to have a little more money available, but not always. But state natural areas and a lot of communities in southern Wisconsin You know, Southwest, Southeast, in what were historically fire-dependent communities or disturbance-dependent communities. You know, the prairies, the oak savannas, the oak woods, some of the wetland systems, they need some additional lunch. Though we're able to provide good dollars from PR and other federal sources, there needs to be more investment in our land management around Wisconsin, and especially in these disturbance-dependent
1: communities. Okay, so you have a fund and people can donate, can contribute to it. I imagine you have other sources of income to the fund as well. Are there larger donors other than the 2 and 5 and $10 license buyer donors?
5: Yeah, absolutely. That's the easiest way to give. It's just when you're purchasing your hunting or fishing license, you can just give a voluntary donation. But other individuals have stepped up and really provided much larger gifts to this fund to grow it more quickly. You can do that through, you had mentioned our website before, wisconservation.org slash Cherish. And that would bring you to the Cherish funding site where any individual, whether you're a hunter or a fisher, can support the Cherish fund.
1: So how does it work? Now, you manage the fund, and where does the money go, and how is it distributed?
5: Yeah, it's a a great process, Mm -hmm. I think, that our and NRF and partners have worked out. The fund is held by NRF and we invest those dollars with TIAA. And generally speaking, TIAA and our, our investing partner would manage for say 6 to 7% investment return. We generally distribute on an annual basis and the distribution rate right now is 4.75%. So the difference between 4.75% and our growth goals of 6 or 7% that difference stays with the fund, so essentially grows with inflation over time. So we're not losing the power of that fund over time. But we're also then making annual distribution year after year after year, and then we're putting a little bit back into the fund. The fund will continue to grow, and then over time, as this fund continues to grow, it's going to spit off more and more dollars that we can use toward managing land, And the process is, I think, a really thoughtful one. The DNR has established a stakeholder group made up of backcountry hunters and anglers, Pheasants Forever, Rough Grouse Society, Wisconsin Conservation Congress, uh, Wisconsin Wildlife Federation, and others. And the stakeholder group basically is there to provide feedback on DNR recommendations for how these dollars are spent. So DNR staff will pull together a bunch of projects where they need money or they can't get money for whatever reason. They'd really like to invest more into these specific lands. They bring the stakeholder group together. The stakeholder group then makes recommendations and then DNR generally acts on those recommendations. And then our board of directors signs off on those recommendations and we make those distributions then directly to the DNR.
1: I like the fact that you've got that Intermediate group, so to speak, that is reviewing the requests for funding. That, absolutely. that means that we have input, really, from organizations that I'm sure many of our listeners belong to. So that's a good absolutely. thing. Very good thing, I think. What yeah, kinds absolutely. of, what kinds of projects are done?
5: Well, they run the gamut. Just this past year, there were a couple of really innovative projects. There's the Cranberry Creek Native American Mound Group Protection and Ecological Restoration Project. That's a long name. Mm. Another is a, the Pierce County Islands Wildlife Area Restoration, really looking at habitat restoration for waterfowl primarily. Back in 2001, we funded the White River Fisheries Area. That was really looking at ensuring public access to this site, as well as doing, you know, 45 acres of riparian habitat. So this is, you know, stuff like removing invasive species, buckthorn, you know, those sorts of things in the floodplain. Back in 2019, which was one of our early distributions, that was to the Lawrence Creek Fish and Wildlife Area. And again, this was removing invasive species, collecting seeds for future seeding, putting in fire breaks, all the stuff that is just really necessary to manage land responsibly. Many of your listeners know this intuitively, but not everyone does. And that is that, you know, just buying land or putting a conservation easement on land is step one. Yeah. And that's important. But in many cases, unless you're looking at, you know, old-growth forests up north or something like that, a lot of these lands really need active management. You know, they need fire. They need invasive species control. You know, I think it's important for everyone to realize, especially in these, you know, fire-dependent communities, uh, they need active management. And even up north, you know, in Northwood, invasive species can play a role. You know, that's something that we always need to keep an eye out on as well.
1: Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. My family owns property up in Bayfield County and my son got involved in a very extensive buckthorn control project that's still ongoing. Oh, yeah. yeah. Something that started gradually and all of a sudden there it is. You think about buckthorn and
5: honeysuckle and yeah, they're kind of cruddy invasive plants that destroy the understory of a lot of forest canopy areas or a lot of forests, but uh, you know, they're also prime tick habitat. So you know, from a public health perspective, boy, get.
1: Yeah. Well, how much money are we talking about, David?
5: Right now, the Cherish Fund has grown to $2.1 million. It's really seen a nice amount of growth since 2013 when this fund was established. We're at the point now where the fund is kicking off close to $100,000 on an annual basis. You know, it's starting to be real money. You know, I just you know, wanted to call out and my predecessor, Charlie Luthan, for... You know, moving this through the legislature and we at the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin, you know, we, we don't take on politics and policy other than bipartisan initiatives. And this is a great example of that where our organization, the DNR worked with legislators on both sides of the aisle to, to move this through. And this is just an important thing for Wisconsin's future to have these dollars available for managing our native ecosystems.
1: It certainly is. Well, before we let you go, any final thoughts for our listeners?
5: If you consider that, you know, roughly 700,000 people buy a hunting and fishing license each year, you know, here for the state of Wisconsin. If every person gave just once and gave $2 to the fund, you know, that would be an influx on an annual basis of $1.4 million. Of that, that would disperse about $70,000 a year. So even that $2 donation, you know, on an annual basis, look at the impact that that can have over time. We're really excited about that and what that could mean for restoring our native ecosystems, you know, over time. They certainly need the help, and uh, the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund, you know, helps get us there.
1: All right. It certainly is not too much to ask, I think. So we will encourage our listeners, as we have done in the past, to do that when they buy a license
5: a lot of these natural communities are blinking out and they need
1: they need help now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much, David. We will talk again, I'm sure.
5: Well, thank you, Dan. I appreciate it.
1: You bet. David Clutter is the Executive Director of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin. Again, their website where you can learn more about the foundation and the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund is wisconservation.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio.
6: Castle Rock and Well are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Neceda National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock-pedenwell.com or on Facebook at Castle Rock Pedenwell Lakes Association.
0: Step outside, let us be your guide. Florence County, Wisconsin.
8: Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160-plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, hand-friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today.
1: Pappas Trading Post is Southern Wisconsin's number one Matthews & Mission archery retailer. Located just west of Arena on Highway 14, they have a full-service pro shop, a 40-yard indoor range, a large selection of archery accessories, and a full assortment of Matthews apparel. Their expert staff can tune your bow for top performance. Gear up for bow season at Pappas Trading Post. Look for the two giant arrows and stop at Pappas Trading Post on Highway 14 west of Arena or visit PappasTradingPost.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters.
0: Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information, Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
1: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio, I'm Dan Small. The Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies have been improving forest habitat for these and other young forest species for more than 60 years. You can learn more at ruffedgrousesociety.org. And joining us for an update is John Steigerwald. He's a regular on the show. He's the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. John, welcome back and thanks for joining us again.
3: Good to be back once again, Dan.
1: I would imagine you have some projects going on in the summertime, um, habitat work or stuff like that.
3: Summertime is a exciting time of the year to be not just working on habitat projects but lining up habitat projects. A lot of our forest work in the state happens actually in the wintertime. If the soil types on your property are a little bit heavier, a little bit wetter, and and not supportive of equipment and heavy machinery and and logging equipment, we're blessed in the Great Lakes season with with the winter season that helps to make our ground frozen solid for heavy equipment to operate on. So we're we're busy right now actually lining up a lot of project work to happen this winter, as well as also going after and working with partners on on securing the funding sources for a lot of the habitat work we're going to be planning for the next several years.
1: Well, that's great, and we will hear more about that as it gets into fall and winter. But since we're very close to the opening of rough grouse and woodcock seasons, well, less than a month away now, how do things look? Was this dry weather good or bad for those species?
3: Well, if your listeners aren't aware, you're not accustomed to rough grouse hunting. The Wisconsin DNR does what are called drumming surveys every year for rough grouse, And they use that drumming information to help index the population to basically see if the population is going up or going down and and monitoring long-term trends of the population. And even with the rough grouse population in Great Lakes region, the population is cyclical. About every 10 years, the population goes up and goes down. It's part of a longer-term cycle, these population trends. Currently, we're in sort of this downward portion of this cycle, so the population we know is decreasing, against part of the longer term trend, this 10-year trend going up and down. This spring, Wisconsin DNR and even some rough grouse society staff that work in partnership with the Wisconsin DNR went out and did drumming surveys, listening for rough grouse drumming, and used that information to look at what the population is currently doing. And state released those numbers, and we know that the population is continuing to go down this season. But I think there's some hopeful things we can talk about. You mentioned the weather. This year, being as dry as it was, actually could have created some favorable conditions for rough grouse. We do have a lot of concerns when it comes to our spring months. You know, if we get heavy spring rains, downfalls, late-season frosts, Things are not timed very well with the rough grouse drumming, mating displays, as well as nesting. Or even right after the nesting is completed and you have a bunch of young, tiny rough grouse brood running around foraging for insects, those young brood are highly susceptible to that exposure that could happen from some of those heavy spring rains or even some nest failures that happen because of those heavy spring rains. Colder, wetter conditions, we get nests that fail and birds might have to renest actually later on, which takes energy to do, time, resources, and exposes birds to predation. But we were really fortunate this year that our spring rains concluded relatively rapidly. We're maybe not as lucky as you know, we'd like to be, and we still very much are in a drought system for other considerations. But overall, I think the survivability of that spring was really good for rough grouse and other ground-nesting birds, and that may very well help us going into the season. I'm well, not going to say that's going to be the best season across the board, but I think there's likely going to be some very good pockets of birds that people who are willing to hunt and search for those birds are going to be able to get into some good birds this season.
1: Are you hearing any reports on broods, brood sizes, or numbers of broods?
3: I am. You know, a lot of that's anecdotal. You're hearing deposit observations. You're never hearing the negative observations. Our just we don't really get into as an organization, season forecasting right i can i can say that it's going to be hopeful it's going to be a hopeful season you know based upon some anecdotal data where people have been seeing rough grouse you start to see more rough grouse inside the road one year than another it's anecdotal data you can well it might be a better season this year or if you're walking the woods and you come across a mother rough grouse with a relatively large brood and you do that relatively frequently and One area over another, you can kind of anecdotally say, well, this area might be actually a nice little hot spot to come back to later this year.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, speaking of hot spots and hunting, Grouse Camp is now an annual event that RGS has been doing for several years, I believe in a number of states, but here in Wisconsin, I was there one year and you've done it again, I think two or three times. It's up in Eagle River, isn't it?
3: Yes, it is. It will be the fourth year that we've run grouse camp in Eagle River, Wisconsin. Uh, we host it at Trees for Tomorrow. It'll be on September 22nd through the 24th. It's a learn to hunt event. It's not necessarily for youth. It can be for youth or middle-aged hunters or older hunters. People who maybe have hunted pheasants before, ducks, turkeys, but never have given rough grouse hunting a try. You know, it could, could be your deer hunter who's never even bird hunted before. Or you know somebody who they've completed the hunter safety requirement, they've got themselves a Wisconsin hunting license for rough grouse. It's for small game, and they'd like to learn more about rough grouse hunting. We kind of do a a bit of a broad-based educational mentoring program where different seminars on rough grouse habitat, where to look as far as resources to find the covers that rough grouse are utilizing. We go over rough grouse biology, ecology, as well as tools for like navigating in the woods, compass, GPS. We also talk about proper clothing, shotguns, and even bird dogs. It's pretty all-encompassing. There's also a very good social atmosphere with it. We do have campfire socials, as well as uh, cooking demonstrations for wild game, and even a whiskey tasting. This year, by popular demand, we're also bringing back a Friday night pig roast
1: dinner. Nice, oh. nice. Yeah, I attended, I think it was the first one. It's very comprehensive and all those activities you mentioned are available to attendees. Is there a deadline to sign up?
3: Unfortunately, Grouse Camp is sold out this year. We actually, we sold out a little bit early. However, it is an event that we we do plan to continue to host well into the future. I guess it will be our fourth grouse camp at Trees for Tomorrow and Eagle River. We are putting on grouse camp this year thanks to a grant from the Wisconsin DNR for our three um, events and we hope to continue to pursue those grants from Wisconsin DNR and and continue to host this event into the future.
1: Well, that's great, and I'll bet that pig roast had something to do with selling it out. (laughs)
3: Well, I think it's probably more the whiskey tasting. But I will say that if you'd like to get involved with the Rough Girl Society or attend one of our other events, we do have banquet events across the Great Lakes region, all fall and into the winter. Feel free to find out where your local chapter is. And see about getting involved in coming to one of our chapter events and, you know, learning directly from other RGS members uh, at those events. Find out more on the Rough Grouse Society website, roughgrousesociety.org, and go to membership.
1: All right. Well, John, thanks so much for sharing that info with us and telling us about the grouse camp that folks now can look forward to next year. I've been to many, many banquets over the years, and those are always fun. If you've never done one, it's something you ought to put on your list of activities to do this fall and winter. We will talk to you again probably after the season opens and see how your early season experience has been. Okay? Let's do that. All right. John Steigerwald is the Great Lakes and Upper Midwest Forest Conservation Director for the Rough Grouse and American Woodcock Societies. As we mentioned, the website where you can learn more about everything the societies do and the events that they have planned, you can find that at roughgroussociety.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio.
4: RGS.
0: Let us be your guide Florence County Wisconsin
8: are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle seven wild river waterfalls to explore horse trails with campgrounds and friendly bars and restaurants go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today
6: Castle Rock and Petonwell are two of Wisconsin's largest inland lakes. With more than 60 square miles of water, they offer four seasons of outdoor fun. Halfway between the Twin Cities and Chicago, and just minutes from Wisconsin Rapids and the Dells, you'll enjoy family-friendly resorts and campgrounds, great fishing, bike trails, county, state, and national parks, and the Neceda National Wildlife Refuge. Learn more at castlerock petonwellcom or on Facebook at Castle Rock Petonwell Lakes Association.
0: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small.
6: Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. Crestliner model year rebates uh, have been extended through the end of this month. Check out Cedar Lake Sales now for... uh, those, and they're also taking storage reservations for this upcoming winter. Uh, past storage customers, you get the first chance, so don't uh, don't delay and uh, your spot get taken up by somebody else. Check out Cedar Lake Sale's website and Facebook page for details. We're also brought to you by Huntworth Gear, performance camo at a price you can afford. HuntworthGear.com by Ducks Unlimited, a proud sponsor of Outdoors Radio and Duck Hunters Everywhere. To learn more about the world's leader in wetlands conservation, visit ducks.org. And we're brought to you by Castle Rock Peatonwell Lakes Association, 60 square miles of fun on the water, dot peatonwellcom and by Woodside Ranch Resort and Conference Center, woodsideranch.com.
1: And if our TV show, Outdoor Wisconsin, is not airing where you live, you can always watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org. And our Deer Hunt Wisconsin show from the last several years is archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel.
6: We've got uh, the radio show that you're listening to right now online in a couple different places. So if you want to download it, uh, you want to listen to past episodes, or maybe you just want to bookmark it in your computer, or on your phone, so that you can uh, download it each week. Go to lake-link.com, go to Outdoors Radio page, and uh, you can download this show. You can also go to the Outdoor News website, Outdoor News. Uh, their podcast section has this uh, radio show, and you can download it and go from there. Dan is on social media throughout the week. Go to Dan Small Outdoors, and um, you can find me at Hardwater Jeff.
1: There are just two spots left on my trip to Lake of the Woods. The dates are September 11 through 15. We'll enjoy three days of guided fishing for walleyes, bass, northerns, maybe some muskies and some big panfishes while well. the guides, boats, bait, tackle, lodging, and all meals are included. Shore lunches of um, the fresh walleyes that we catch that morning are another highlight of this trip. It's a great trip. We have good meals in the lodge, breakfast and dinner, and they take really good care of us. The cost is $1,500 per person. And Stormy Cromer president, Gina Thorson, is going to join us. She's bringing Stormy Cromer gifts for everyone on the trip, and she wants to know your hat size. So I think you know what's coming there. All right. Visit yeah, visit BlackIsland.com to learn more or to reserve a spot. But you better call them today because those spots are not going to last. Well, coming up next month... September 23rd through the 25th the National Deer Association and some other groups are hosting a learn to hunt deer event on private land in the Kickapoo Valley for adults older than 18 or 18 or over with little or no deer hunting experience the organizers are also looking for mentors and you can find out information on being a hunter or a mentor on the Pheasants Forever uh, website so just go to Pheasants forever.org and everything's right there on the home page also next month saturday september 23rd the third annual clam lake elk festival starts at 8 a.m runs all day and all activities are free you have to buy your food of course but everything else is free they have a snowmobile and atv show vendor booths and exhibits an elk walking tour where i guess you're going to Uh, Take a stroll through elk country, ATV tours of the area, great food, an antler hunt for the kids, and a DNR presentation on elk. For information, you can call Rob Sparhawk at 715-310-4857 or visit his Facebook page Rob Sparhawk, S-P-A-R, hawk. I'll post it on my Facebook page as well. And September 15th is the deadline for eligible hunters who want to participate in the gun deer hunt for hunters with disabilities. It's the deadline for you folks to contact and confirm your hunt location with a sponsor. And there are thousands of acres of land available through uh, sponsors for this year's hunt. The hunt is October 7th through fifteen, but as I mentioned, the deadline to get your spot September 15th. If you visit the DNR website and type in the keywords deer hunt for hunters with disabilities, you'll learn everything about it. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. Warren and friends are in concert Wednesday evening, August 29th at 7 p.m. in the concerts in the Park Series in Bayfield. It's a free concert. Just bring a chair or blanket and enjoy the music. And then on Friday, September 1st, Warren is presenting his original musical show, Riding the Wind at Big Top Chautauqua. Visit bigtop.org for tickets. Well, Jeff, travel safe to the Dakotas and we'll talk again probably right after
8: Labor Day. Yeah.
1: I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend and be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio.
0: Let's get to the perfect speed. Oh, how I love leaving the shore behind. When the cool night swallows The moose's nose And the heron is fishing On one cold leg When the loon cries lover In the blue north wind I'll be true. my wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel, when my lazy eye is just too
3: lazy to lure.
0: When the worms go dry, in the coffee can, honey, I'll be troll.